<laughs> okay, let's kick this off. Let's kick this off. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's do it. This is our our, our latest ASCO G ASCO ASCO uh, twenty twenty three <laughs> podcast with Tony Chueri, uh, Dana Farber. Um, we're going to talk about Contact Three. Um, Contact Three's the big randomized phase three has just been presented. Um, Tony, um, do you want to introduce yourself and maybe just talk a little bit about Contact Three, a little bit about about the background of the study and maybe the top line of the uh, findings. Yeah, guys, Tony Schwery, Dana Farber, friend of the Euromicos and the uh, podcast. <laughs> Close friend. friend. Friend of Brian Reaney, certainly not a friend, only professional relationship with Tom Powell's. Very professional. Um, very professional. So uh, this is uh, Contact 3 is a study where, that we, uh, Monty Powell and I, and several members of the steering committee were uh, deeply involved. It builds on a question that may not be the most scientific question but the most i would say relevant question whether progression on prior pd1 pdl1 inhibitor whether we should continue should we re-challenge why this because we see it when we do second opinion uh, we see patient being treated uh, i would say 20 percent of kidney cancer treated like that and what i can tell you and feel free like you do always tom to interrupt anytime um uh, what i can tell you it's also practiced in other solid tumors um i remember you guys may not remember but mike atkins who was actually the spore leader for many years at dana farber first at first spore we ha he was he's on our um external advisory board and it was a spore meeting five, six years ago where I went with Mike. I said, I see this all the time. He said, I see it too. And Mike said, well, we should do the trial. I think it's a good question and it will be negative. That's like out of time. I said, whoa, 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 wait, <laughs> let's do the study first. Well, so well, we Tony, started chopping around. That's how it started. So Tony, so, it's a, basically, it's a randomized phase three. It's advanced clear cell kidney cancer. Um, essentially, it's And non-clear cell. And some and non -clear, cell. We're going to come to that in a second. And some non-clear cell. It's for those patients who have most recently progressed on immune checkpoint inhibition. So they've had VEGF-targeted therapy, but they've also had to have immune checkpoint inhibition as their most recent therapy. It's Correct. a one-to-one -one randomization of tezolizumab plus cabozatinib. The cabozatinib is given at 60 milligrams. In, con in Cosmic 313, we gave 40. The control arm is cabozatinib um, at... Uh, um, at 60 milligrams, the standard of care. And the PFS is the primary endpoint. The hazard ratio is 1.03 for PFS. The subset analysis shows no subgroup um, benefiting particularly. It's not like the non-clear cells are holding anything back. And the overall survival hazard ratio is 0 0.94. The curves are on top of each other, essentially. Um, the conclusion, or one of your conclusions, was that the combination was more toxic. Do you want to just talk a little bit about why you think the combination is more toxic? And then secondly, maybe after that, say why you think the addition of tezolizumab made no difference? I think numerically, uh, there was more serious adverse event. We didn't test, you know, we didn't do statistical and adjusted for toxicity. Usually we don't do that. Um, and numerically higher, the rate of serious adverse event higher and certainly grade five couple, there was no uh, grade five in the Cabo only arm. 
So at least they're by eyesight they are higher. Why? Um, why? Simply because I think uh, biologically, I know, I mean, I don't know why. Maybe these pathways are similar. This is not like going from an EGFR inhibitor better EGFR inhibitor that can attack the pocket better and uh, lead to, um, you know, better uh, results, uh, you know, especially recapitulating the lab experiment. I don't think there was one PD-1 inhibitor, uh, if the one approved on the market where you did an ex a test in the lab and you saw, oh, wow, this uh, one is... But we see it in practice. Biologically, it could make sense because PD-1 inhibit PD-L1 and PD-L2, while PD-L1 inhibitor leaves PD-L2, but interacts with other members. Uh, so, so, so there could be some rationale. Tony, we so, both want to interrupt. I'm going to let Brian interrupt first. <laughs> I have to interrupt Tom to interrupt you. That's how this podcast goes. Yes. So, Tony, first of all, congrats on the study. I think it was really the one of the important questions in kidney Can cancer. Can I interrupt you there, Brian? Out there. I have no, to, my God. I have, to, I, have to, I have to interrupt because this is true, Tony. This is true. Brian's going to deny this, but this is true. Me and Brian sat in a room with the people organizing this study at the time and blah, blah, blah. And they came to us and they said, do you think this is a good idea? And I said, oh, I don't know. I think, you know, it's a bit commercial, blah, blah, blah. And Brian, you definitely said you hated it at the time. I promise you did. I promise. <laughs> I like my God, and you said you hated it. I didn't it. say I hated it. You did. I remember. That's why we weren't involved. Right, if you can produce <laughs> evidence of that, I'm happy to it. Anyway, Tony, I apologize for the interruption. This, yeah, of course. The study, the Lancet publication. So I, I want to ask a question about the control arm of Cabo, right? The PFS, I think, was was it 10.8 months? Am I remembering the number yeah. right? It was something it was very 10 .6. robust. 10.6. Very robust yeah. considering other monotherapy data. I know the study's different and it's modern, and we could probably put all sorts of caveats around that. But I, I don't know what your alternative hypothesis was, but you probably would have been pretty happy with a PFS of 10 to 11 months in the investigation alarm when you started the study. So I guess what, what I yeah. guess the question is, what, well, what accounts for this great PFS of yeah. the alarm, in your opinion? So the PFS is slightly, but not way much. If you look at Kentata's study, I think it was nine. So nine. it's slight, yeah. no doubt. There are other places where it is less. And the response rate, that's the highest we've seen with Cabo, yeah. post-IO, normally it's between 20 to 30. I think in part, and, and we can say contact three could be uh, because it's the largest by far and the most recent, and both the investigator assess response and the response are all the same, 40%. I think in part, you want to ask yourself, despite that atezolizumab is not the P1 inhibitor with the longest half-life, but you want to ask yourself, are you testing Cabo Atizo versus Cabo Atizo or Cabo Atizo versus Cabo IO if the last uh, exactly. drug is a PD-1 inhibitor? And that is, that could explain SPFS and response rate, especially if the last inhibitor was one of those Nevo or Pembro, is a, as you know, have five plus days. So a positive hangover effect from the previous immunotherapy it's very possible. It's possible. Very and, possible. And, and that would then mean that essentially it's Cabo Nevo versus Cabo Nevo Atezo, and that could be a problem. Um, so, Tony, 
couple of questions for you. And then, Brad, I've got a question for you. Um, the first is, is this magic, Cabo? <laughs> number one because 10 months does sound long from pfs brian in your studies previously your axis trial axis nib is a terrific drug and that was more like five months rather than 10 months response rates of 15 percent rather than 40 40 percent so is is there something magic about cabo that's my first question and then my second question is is there a problem with the tezo and those two questions for me please who you asking could be... i'm asking uh, tony these and i've got a question for you in a second Brian. okay <laughs> Yeah, I think could be one, two, or uh, none. Uh, I think uh, simply Cabo has been north of that, but has been that active. I'm not surprised with a 10 months PFS. The response rate is 10% higher than what I expect. And it's real, it's real because it's both on independent and central review, I think. Uh, is Atizo lower? Yes. And SPDL1 inhibitor and, you know, has been less active in renal cell and bladder cancer, as you know. But I would argue that single agent atezolizumab in untreated patient, this is a study that Dave McDermott led, had a response rate of 25%. It's not, and Brian led the atezolizumab superior to sunitinib. That is not benign, you know. It's not the 30 of Pembro untreated patient, but 25% is, is okay. And what else would you want to use? Would you use Pembro or Nevo control in the experimental arm? These drugs are most likely used first line. So you really end up with something that should have with switching maybe mechanism of action from PD-1 to PDL one So it was a reasonable time. Brian, there's a study kicking around called Entivo. Um, it's really hard it's to pronounce. Too. Yeah, I can't. I've never been able to pronounce it. There are too many. No, there are too many vowels. There are too many vowels. They're, they're, sorry, there are too like many vowels. Not enough vowels. No, you've got you've got lots of vowels in Shuari. I've got a problem. There are too many U's yeah, and Shuari. L's and I's. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the it's the consonants I'm struggling with with Entivo too. Whatever it is, um, Brian. <laughs> Is it is the problem beyond just the name with that trial? Could you explain that study <laughs> and, and, and give us the chance of that study being positive? Uh, the Tenevo, so Tenevo 2 is Tivo, Tavosinib, Nivolumab versus Tavosinib. So I think exact same design as contact. I don't know about eligibility. I don't know if you do, Tony, but it's 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 very similar study. The difference, obviously, is the VEGF TKI, which is... TiVo, obviously a more focused VEGFR inhibitor than Cabo and, and Nevo being a PD-1 inhibitor. But I think broadly it's the same, right? PFS and OS and, and eligibility, I think, are broadly the same. So, And we're expecting the same result in that trial? I, or... I'm expecting the same result in that trial. I guess the question is, why would it be different? Um, you know, I do think some of the Cabo monotherapy in contact was that hangover effect, but you'd assume the same thing would happen here. Also, in that combo... Um, TiVo uh, is given at a lower dose than monotherapy. Um, it's given at the one dose reduction because of hypertension concerns. So you could even Correct. see a scenario where the monotherapy does better, you know, if there's something to dose effect, right? And I, I think there is in a subset of patients. Um, no, you'd right. have to rely on PD-1 being way better than PD-L1 for that study to be positive, which I think is possible, but I think seems really unlikely because of all the other considerations. I've got a curveball for the pair of you. You won't be expecting this. So there was a study, <laughs> a study kicking around there versus divisinib versus serafinib back in the day. Yep. Um, and in that trial, 
the PFS was about four months for both drugs and the OS, you know, was sure about six or seven months. That was a third line trial. Mm -hmm. A lot of these patients also third line in, mm -hmm. um, in, in this study in contact three. Here, the survival is 20 months. What's changed in kidney cancer? Active drugs. <laughs> no, because we had the VEGFTKIs. And these yeah, but we didn't have immune therapy, right? No, but here we've patients. had immune therapy previously. That This is from immune therapy failing. So you can't say this is because of immune therapy unless you believe it's the immune therapy driving that five months to 20 months. What, what's changed in kidney cancer that third-line trials in the past, OS seven or eight months, now OS 20 months? Well, again, it's, I think it's accumulation of active drugs, including or is it patient selection? Therapy. But the immune um, therapy, but the immune therapy patients have progressed on immune therapy. It can't. No, just I know, be but they, they still got it. They still have lingering effects, as noted by a combo PFS. So you do months, believe so. in this lingering effects of immune for therapy? Sure. For sure. Okay, if that's the case, then can we stop immune therapy after a year, and then we don't need to give any immune therapy and disease in the future? I don't know about well, that. That's a different question. Well, I suppose it's the a, same question, I think. Tony, could you try to answer the question better? Yeah, it's a, no, it's a slightly different question. depends what those patients had. So if they have an ECR, deep responses, I would be comfortable. If not, there are studies, as you know, in, um, in lung continuing NEVO or not after two years, and they're inferior. Mm -hmm. There's an inferior survival. So um, I think here one of the things, knowing that, uh, you know, that's hard to get with it's a 500 plus patient only is look at if the last checkpoint was, let's say, uh, last dose was given 30 days ago or maybe 90 days. Right. You know, you have sometimes the last immune checkpoint inhibitor could be, uh, you know, given 90 days as the last treatment. You know, could have been hospitalized, etc. So. So the timing, um, you know, that that doesn't answer the question whether a patient, let's say, who progressed, uh, whose tumor progressed on adjuvant, let's say adjuvant Pembro, is this a different biology? I don't but uh, that is an area where we can do studies. Uh, another question, what if somebody uh, got, let's say, nivolumab um, and then got, Len Everolimus, uh, Cabozentinib, and they challenged with checkpoint inhibitor, and there have been two years, although they really, let's say, progressed on nivolumab. Mm, that's a different So, um, do, you, do you think, Tony, yeah. though, I agree with you, it's a different question, and the, the gap, as you're alluding to, could certainly impact if that lingering effect that we're hypothesizing, or at least I am, is true, but... Do you think that needs to be studied in a trial or would you advocate to do it outside of a trial? We do a lot of trials sometimes that does not answer the question. I think this will be a great trial for the cooperative. Example. Mm -hmm. um, I think a study like this that at least answer post adjuvant and, uh, you know, if the limit to since prior IO, I think is important. And your study, this contact only had, I think, one patient in each arm with adjuvant, just, I guess, based on the timing. But I assume Tenevo 2 will have more adjuvant patients. So that's another that's hope aspect. So. Has... That's an, I think we... I've just, I've just been handed a bit of paper with newsflash written on it. Apparently, this is... Who's handing in... you pieces of paper? <laughs> <laughs> I get faxes as well, Brian. I still have my fax <laughs> machines really busy. Um, 
Uh, it says that this paper has been published in The Lancet. Tony, congratulations on that. Um, it also uh, has your name as the editorial, Brian. What did you write? Just give a quick summary of your editorial. What, what have we not covered that's in your editorial? Um, yeah, so Katie Beckerman and I wrote an editorial. And I mean, we talked about this lingering immune therapy and its effect on carbamonotherapy and how it did well. We talked about PDL1 versus PD1, like we talked about. Um, you know, one thing we talked about, and I'd be interested, Tony, in your opinion on this, is that now this wasn't novel immune therapy, right? It was, it was, you know, a PDL1 inhibitor after after prior checkpoint, but that maybe there's implications for testing novel immune therapy, and maybe the IO refractory setting isn't the right setting. And we make a point that if you would have tested ipilimumab, if Ipi had come along today and been tested as monotherapy and refractory patients, there wouldn't have been much activity, very likely, and it probably would have yep. gotten thrown away. And maybe we need to test novel immune therapy in an IO naive population, which will take some buy-in from everybody, right? Because you'll have to give patients non-standard regimens. So I, I, I'm believing that more and more there's data in melanoma. Can I answer Tony's question? Right. But I still think that adding, if you really want to test it in the non, you may get it approved, but I doubt, still doubt something that doesn't have significant clinical activity, which IPI does not, it's not that significant, will um, you know, major breakthrough. Um, I get, I, I get your point, though. So, uh, we're still not crystal clear about the role of IPI until we see the 8Y8 study. So let's move on to the last piece. So I think you've both said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this is practice changing because it suggests that if your cancer progresses on immune therapy or having recently had immune therapy, further immune therapy is essentially a waste of time across the board and associated with more toxicity. And that should stop the practice of sequencing immune therapy. So Ipinevo followed by Axipembro. Do you both agree with that? I do. I do. I think I want to challenge and get out of uh, GU is that I challenge our colleagues in uh, lung cancer, melanoma, cancer to do the same we have looked at real world data and this practice is done in other two not very common but common enough and surprisingly when we looked at um, literature there isn't data in the tumor i said the randomized phase three like contact three there is of nevo ipi versus nevo in patient whose tumor progressed on prior pd1 that showed pfs rate benefit but 90 patients and ipi is you know talking about synergy which i'm not a big believer but if i point my finger at something it's probably ctli4 and pd1 not others not not things with complete different mechanism of action. i have to see a, a for you tom this is your study next you it's can acknowledge me gem carbo yeah. Maintenance of Vilumab, then progression, then patient get randomized to EV versus EV plus Pembro, let's say. If assuming the standard of care doesn't change overnight, like yeah. you keep doing. Tony, you've got a potential career in bladder cancer. So um, <laughs> let's move to this next important question. So, hold on, if I may. Tony okay, no, you go, you go, you go, you go. Um, Sorry, apologies. Do you, apologies. Think the do you think the practice of giving immune-based combinations after prior immune therapy was common? Out of sort of desperation, we still want to cure people, and we know VEGF-targeted therapy doesn't do it. Do you think it was because that Len Pembro single-arm study, which was 100 patients, you know, had a PFS of like 11 months. It was, boy, it looked pretty robust for a single-arm study. 
do you, which of those or both do you think is the reason that, and I think people will continue to do it, by the way. I don't think they should, but I think they will. Yeah, why, I, I why, think, why do you think that is? I think people do all sorts of, a lot of oncologists <laughs> still things in packages. So let's say Pembro Axi delivered. So that's it. They together. So I think that's how people yeah. uh, think. I think there could be some financial incentive, no doubt, uh, with the intravenous inhibitor and you know some practices i mean i've seen the other day patients started their first line pizopinib because somebody interpreted the imdc risk uh, group because they look good well they were at least intermediate so i'm, I'm just saying yeah. people do it all sorts of things my next question if i may so now let's move shift gears a little bit and let's say a patient gets a year of adjuvant pembrolizumab and relapses a year later um, do they get upfront immune combination or does contact three influence the outcome of all the treatment decisions on that patient? And this is, this is a good question. That's what we don't, we didn't answer, but I would think, uh, don't I, know. Okay. after a year, I would. So after a year, you're happy to re-challenge Brian. What about you? Yeah, I think there's a period of time after which you say, all right, I'm going to consider this patient naive. And, and you're also, again, your inclination is to give the patient the benefit of the doubt. Because you know VEGF monotherapy isn't curative. But you so know you're, you're going to give them more toxicity. Yeah, you know, you're going to give them more toxicity. But in a frontline setting of a presumably, you know, fit patient, you're, you're at least you on that side, the provider is willing to trade that toxicity for the potential of long-term benefit that immune-based combinations bring. Okay. So I, I, my, I think so. My last question is how much the pair of you love my new hypothesis? What um, hypothesis? Well, I haven't shared it with you yet. <laughs> I haven't heard any of your old hypotheses, by the way. Okay, my hypothesis then. <laughs> that in reality, patients' Im tumor immunity is a really important driver for response to immune therapy. The sequential work we've done suggests there are lots of immune infiltration and other bits and pieces associated with immune therapy, but doesn't suggest there are huge changes in immune biology. And therefore the baseline immunity seems to predict best the outcome of immune therapy and patients get one good go at immune therapy, probably earlier rather than late. And once they've responded or they haven't, that's then set in stone and reinducing further immune responses, coming back to your point, Brian, previously about testing patients later on, further reinducing on patients who haven't got immune sensitive tumors are unlikely to respond. So as a single, well, I think, yeah, yeah, as with with the drugs we have at the yeah. moment, I mean, whether yeah. you're CLA four or slag three or other age, I don't know. I mean, if I agree, if you think about it, in a trial like this, you've weeded out all the immune responsive patients, perhaps all the really immune responsive, because they're still on drug or they're in a treatment free interval, et cetera. Yeah, because I haven't so had you're immune taking this yet. population yeah. of patients where you stack the deck against at least checkpoint immune responsiveness, PD pathway immune responsiveness. I don't think it speaks to all checkpoints or all immune therapy. But I think that's I think that's right. Tony, Tony I'll ask you a last question for you. Just yeah, last question. Issue. So, should we change Entivo, the study that I can't pronounce? <laughs> I apologize. Which is easy to, to pronounce. It's not that Tenevo. hard. Tenevo. I just struggle with Tenevo. It just doesn't sound. How, I mean, how often does T followed by N in the language? It's just not Tony. Anyway, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's T O N. There's an O in the middle. Tony. Well, there's there's an I. Never mind. Let's let's move on. Yeah, I have one go. last question, Tom. Should yeah. we change? So, 
Ntivo is going to fail. Can we agree on that? It's very likely to. If we have a, should we amend the protocol to say it's almost actually, done accruing? Well, yeah. hold on, but you, but should we? Because otherwise, we're never going to ask the question three times. Three times. Well, you've both agreed this question hasn't been adequately answered because we don't know about rechallenge after a gap. Should we insist that there's a subset of that study which patients have had previous immune therapy but have had to have? VEGF targeted therapy as their most recent? And should we make sure it's powered? Otherwise, we're in danger of getting the same result again, which answers one question, which we don't need the answer to, but doesn't answer the second question, which is now much more relevant. I mean, if someone has to do that study, fine. Uh, It's important. I would say people who progression, independent of the response, you know, after a year. I think that will be an important question. And T-NIVO 2, you know, uh, by the you may not have mentioned, but people, patient could have not had a VEGF TKI. So there is a group of patients who had NIVO went directly to, to contact three. And those patients did not have any different outcome compared to patients who had VEGF. But this is a different question you answered, your question uh, you asked. Um, That's very political, Tony. Yeah. Congratulations. The Dan. other thing, finally... I want to mention that this is really a, has been a group effort with Bontipal at the helm. We wrote together over a weekend, just a concomitant. We just spent a weekend together by Zoom writing the first version. And, uh, uh, you know, Roche really done a great job here to answer this question nobody wanted to answer. And the steering committee helped us so much all over. You know, there was responses were expected within like two hours when we send the version (laughs) so otherwise what happens especially within deep down guys this is a negative study yeah i don't know even deep down tony no (laughs) (laughs) tony last question last quick question is it is it is it time to stop studying a tezo in kidney cancer. I mean, we've studied the heck out of it in every setting, adjuvant, frontline, second line, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just I think as a backbone, it's still a good, especially when you have more active. I think it has probably a bit less side effects than other in terms of immune-related AE. In my experience, although I would argue maybe because it's less active, um, I probably not. What are you going to pair it with? Roche with all the pipeline. I think I would continue, and I would love to look at um, O10, a study you've been involved with, to see if CTDNA, like in bladder cancer, matters. I would probably stop investigating a TESO here, um, Brian. I think we've done a lot of trials, and it's not been successful, and my temptation, if I was involved, would be to move on to a different agent because I think it's going to be very hard to build on a less active drug. And it might be even if you get positive results, people will substitute pembrolizumab or nivolumab in. Um, yeah. And so I think my temptation would be not to further develop it. But that doesn't mean I don't think the development program has been excellent, robust, and I think the Roche team have done an amazing job. Agreed. Uh, Tony, congrats. Good job in translation. Yes. No amazing job also. in translation. And you're, in, you're an Ateso hater, Tom Powell's. I Go actually really love Tesla. I'm actually very keen on the drug. <laughs> very Tony, keen. congrats. Thank you. Thanks for the publication and all that. Uh, again, a, right. a super important question. You know, an, an important negative trial, if you will. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. You take care. Cheers. Bye.